Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Book Bites. I'm your host and teen services librarian Josh. I want to start by saying thank you to all of our continuing listeners for being patient in our one month absence. There's a lot going on at the library so we had to kind of put a pause on things for a month but I'm happy to say that we're back and we have a lot of exciting things coming up. Anyways back to the show. I'm really excited about today's episode. I was able to sit down and talk to Christina who is a senior librarian in charge of the Mark Twain branch here in Long Beach. And she's someone that I greatly admire. She's done so much for the community on top of the fact that she's an incredible teen advocate and just somebody I'm really glad I was able to sit down with and talk to. Today's episode, we'll be talking about David Yoon's Frankly in Love. It's a charming romance about a young Korean-American boy's first relationship and all of the drama that comes with it. So let's jump right into it. Hey, Christina, thanks for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me here. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Frankly in Love? Yeah, so Frankly in Love by David Yoon is a book that features an Asian-American male protagonist teen, which is super exciting for me to read about. It pretty much is about him falling in love for the first time and what that means in response to other things that go on in his life, parental expectations, dealing with racism, and navigating cultural tensions because he's a child of immigrants. So there's a lot packed into this book that I found really fascinating to read, and I'm just really excited to talk more about this book. Yeah, I definitely agree that there's a lot packed into this book. I think he does a really great job of balancing really heavy issues with a light hearted romance that really still is character driven. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, I think I was really surprised by how much I could relate to him because whether you're a teen, an adult, just a human being, right? These are all these factors and nuances that you think in your mind as a person of color. And I didn't expect so much depth coming from this book. Again, I I was just excited to read a character that was male a lot of the books that I normally read are realistic fiction that features women, a young a young girl. I didn't really have an expectation. I mean, I kind of read the summary of the book. It hit all the things that I thought fit what we were looking for um, to showcase, you know, that diversity in Asian culture. And I think you touched on something that's really important when we talk about diversity in media. There seems to be this strange resistance to having an Asian male be the romantic lead in either a book or movie or any sort of media. And I'm really excited for this book to help break that barrier that also creates a character that's really relatable. And I found myself uh, kind of nodding along with some of the things he did. I myself was a um, kind of a nerdy AP student like Frank. Yeah. I just found it to be really refreshing as an alternate take on the romance genre. Yeah. It wasn't written in a stereotypical way where I thought, how is this going to translate? I was also an AP student in high school too. So, you know, being proud of being like a super nerd and the terminology that, that they were using. But also just like this other side of how dealing with just the blatant racism his parents kind of showed. And I'm pretty sure many children of immigrants feel that, like you are an American, but you're also bicultural in whatever that you are, and navigating those tensions, right, between both both worlds. And, you know, when you're that age, you don't know how to piece that together. You don't know how to say, hey, I'm confused. 
in some capacity. And I think the more I just kept reading about him and in his mind, his point of view, it really just spoke to me. Yeah, like you feel those those shameful feelings of like, I'm embarrassed by my parents. They're not speaking proper English or what does that even mean, right? You know, as an adult and you come into your own, you, you're comfortable with yourself or you hope to be. But reading that about that struggle kind of reminded me like how hard it is for teens out there when you're bicultural or biracial or all of these terms that we attach to ourselves, right? Like it's really hard going through those emotions as a teen, but just this other layer, right, of just identity is so fascinating to read. Yeah, definitely. I feel that one of the strengths of this book is his ability, like I said before, and like you said, to cover all of these topics in a really effective way. That reminds me of the famous scholar of multicultural literature, Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop, and she believes that reading can act as a mirror, a window, or a sliding glass door. So, you know, in the case of a mirror, the book is reflecting the reader, with the window, you have the opportunity to look in on a different experience, and then the sliding glass door where the reader is invited to enter a different culture and experience it from another person's perspective. And I have to say, this book is a great example of a sliding glass door book because you, as a reader, can enter the world of Frank, but you can also find similarities. So it becomes kind of easy to see that the intercultural conflict that happens at the center of Frankly in Love is something a lot of teens can relate to, especially as children of immigrants. And and kind of on that note, I think that the parents, which are part of the sort of conflict between Frank and the parents, is carefully written and done in a very sensitive way. I think that the author does a great job of portraying the parents in a sympathetic light, and kind of in this sympathetic portrayal gives Frank the opportunity to grow as a person and understand things from his parents' perspective and not just lash out and feel at odds with his parents. I'm not sure if you felt that way as well. I was surprised by, like you said, it would be easy to write off and say, okay, parents are racist, it's you know one-dimensional, but he still loves his parents at the end of the day, regardless of his inner conflict. It's really his own inner conflict. And that's what makes him stand out as this character where it wasn't just like, I'm just embarrassed by my parents and what they are and what they say. It's his own insecurities that he has to come to terms with. And, oh, like I found myself, I don't know about you, I cried towards the end. Yeah. I'm not going to spoiler what major thing that drove the plot, but coming to terms with something, that relationship he had with his father, this is what you probably reach at the end when you're, you know, if you're fortunate, if you're both old, you know? I was just so surprised by how eloquent that was written. And that term, uh, what is the term that he used in the book? Is it Jung? Right? That kind of eternal bonding that you have with that person. The father in the story was a store owner, right? Like a liquor store. And working every day. How many parents we know work every day that don't spend time with their kids? He was counting the amount of time he actually spent with his father, and he was just like this realization, like, I don't know him, right? And that just really spoke to me, and that taking for granted, like, with time, you know? And I guess it was, like, in really in the context of with the pandemic, like, what does that even look like now? Because did the pandemic bring people together? Did it bring people apart? And just this whole construct of time and what that looks like and what that means. And, you know, with every great teen book, you know, it ends, like, right before their next journey. So he was 
preparing to go to college. And I just love those jumping points of books where this journey ends and you're unsure what's going to happen. That kind of seems to be the theme with all that that he was doing with his identity, being in love for the first time, thinking he was in love for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. It was just so many cool things. And the one thing I'm really super excited, I heard that that the book maybe be turned into a movie. Oh, no way. Like there's, yeah, I don't know if you knew about that, but as any book, like it's so much more nuanced versus it being in film. It's really exciting just to see Asian American representation on the screen or in books, right? Because like you said, there's, during the literature award ceremony, I remember him saying he was really interested in toxic masculinity. It's this whole interesting thing that was already fairly reflected in, in Frankly in Love. And so, yeah, like I said, so many things packed into this book. Like, just read it, guys. You're doing a disservice to yourself if you don't pick up this book. Like, it's so many interesting things going on that the language used, how quick-paced everything is, it's it's just a real fun read. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would also recommend this book to everyone. But I have to admit, going in, I did have my own reservations um, since I don't usually read romances for pleasure. Um, and kind of from what I knew going in, the fake dating plot wasn't really something that appealed to me. It's a trope, right? It's like that's kind of a, it's, like, it's been a trend going on right now yeah. in recent um, but, teen books. Yeah, but the book really won me over. Um, so I'd even say that for people who think that romances aren't for them, I think they'd find something to enjoy here. There's a lot that this book does that's sort of positive portrayal of relationships, especially high school relationships. And really realistic depictions of of young romance. I'm kind of wondering how you took to the romance aspects of this. I'm actually the opposite. I love I love rom coms, um, just because I know they're so formulaic. But I think the humanistic side approach of it. At the end of the day, they're just emotions. Reading the book, of course, there are parts where I'm just like, oh, you know, I can't really put my adult lens on and say, no, you shouldn't have done that. But he doesn't know, right? And throwing the word love so easily, like that, oh, I had a problem with that, you know. But I was surprised with the second part of that because that it, it made sense. And I think him coming to realize, oh, this is what it really is. And this is what it looks like. And verbalizing that and putting that in comparison to the first relationship, right? I, I was like, that was major growth for me to see him go through that. At the end of the day, you just want to find someone that makes you laugh. That's really what it's about. And I think you, he really just captured that. You know, he's a teenager. He's just like, okay, I'm just, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm just going through the motions of this. But kind of being surprised by what you discover, right? I think that's what it was. But there was always hints of it there leading up to this. And so, yeah, it just read really, really easy. That's how it is even when you're an adult in dating, right? Like, what does that look like? You hope that you grow from it and you're mature and make the right decisions. But what I love about teen fiction is that it's kind of like the intersecting world where as an adult you can enjoy and laugh at, like, that's what I wouldn't do. But really, it's people still do repeat the same mistakes in their 20s and their 30s in, in dating, right? And so what's the difference between 15 and 30? You hope you've grown from that, so. Yeah. <laughs> So this book is set in a fictional town in Southern California, and specifically the Orange County area. I would say it's kind of a depiction of the more affluent parts of Orange County, maybe like Irvine or something like that. And I really appreciated how the setting wasn't just background, and that it kind of came alive at times. 
So for me, as a Southern California native, it's really awesome to see, especially since media depiction of the area is kind of one-dimensional. What really stuck out to me was hearing Frank describe his trip from his house to his father's store and seeing the neighborhoods change and these layers of poverty and just this over the span of a few miles. And I haven't seen a lot of accurate portrayals of L.A. in YA fiction, and it's really nice to see, actually. It's really refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, and I think I think that's what it is, because there is, um, I remember there was a scene where his best friend Q talks about his family from the East Coast, and they're dressed like in Tim's, and this funny kind of play on this outlook on what it means to be Southern California, because everyone thinks, oh, you say Southern California, you're from L.A., and everyone's the same, everyone's Hollywood, and it's not. There's just so many pockets throughout this region where it might be more suburban here, it's completely dense and urban here, and we all mesh with each other. And I love that the family visited and took pictures of the palm trees. Frank was like, that's something that I've noticed but never had to think about. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I've had family visit me and they're like, palm trees, you're in Southern California, there's In-N-Out burgers, like all these things, right? I mean, it's just so funny, but I love that celebration of the diversity here in SoCal. And it really highlighted those nuances of suburban and the schools that he went, the school that he's going to and where his parents work. And you don't really get that in other stories. And so I thought that was really cool to see that Mm -hmm. and there's a moment near the climax where they go to the korean american fair and it really showcases the diverse neighborhoods and perspectives and cultures that exist in la and how they come together and, and mingle and sort of create new cultures specifically i what comes to mind is the the food trucks that are there's like fusion food and i just felt that was so quintessential la and that really stuck out to me right and even like the a lot of the art installations the exhibits that they would attend to and driving we're a driving culture just they got in their car and you had to go somewhere whether it was to you know downtown la or back in the suburbs and just kind of like these little pockets of descriptions of, of where they were going and what they were doing and how it felt and the weather and like yeah it's we're, we're not even seasonal here. We're like one season. It's just warm. And so, they, he, and he does highlight that, right? And like the only difference with summer just was hotter. <laughs> but, you know, you don't get like snow or rain. And it's like, yeah, that's just how it is out here. There's another sort of narrative device that the author implements that I found to be really interesting and well done. So early on in the book, Frank mentions that he has a teacher who tells them about code switching. And... That ends up becoming a sort of narrative device throughout the book where Frank will describe someone's way of speaking as casual Southern Californian or elevated formal Korean. And it's it's a really interesting way of depicting, you know, code switching, which is something that we all do, and um, especially folks who are bicultural. And I thought it was a very effective way of introducing the concepts while weaving it into the story. Code switching is definitely something that's an unconscious thing that we do if you know how to do it. I think that's why I was so fascinated with it because I'm like, I do that. It's a thing. We don't talk about it, but how do you relate to people? I speak English when I'm at work, but I go home and I speak Khmer. It's that way with a lot of people. You normalize it. It's who you are. That's what you do. You put on your different caps. And what does that mean? I just love even how he tackles what it even means to be Korean-American or just being around other Koreans who are not Korean-Americans. 
because he doesn't speak the language. Language is such a big barrier. He would understand pockets of someone talking and not really able to connect all those pieces and feeling that deep insecurity of I'm not Korean enough. So we've talked about Frankly in Love. And for the listeners out there who are interested in similar books or just looking for more, can you recommend some similar books? Definitely Jenny Hong, if you're looking again for um, more Asian American representation. I know another book that I was thinking of talking about was Lilian Rivera's The Education of Margot Sanchez. That was a really good story that took place in like New York and her going to a prep school, but her living in an area that was economically deprived. So I love characters that waffle between those worlds, right? Because it's interesting. But hopefully you can recommend some other titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. We just got in his newest book. That's right. It's a Super Fake Love Song. And it's, it's similar in, in some ways to Frankly in Love, where it's a, a light romance and it's a some deception going on <laughs> and the main the main character is a musician so it sounds really interesting and i've yet to read it but it looks really good and it's on my list yeah thank you so much for joining us today christina thank you for having me i really enjoyed our talk and you know this is really fun and if we haven't convinced you at this point to read it i'm just not sure what's gonna convince you Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you read Frankly in Love by David Yoon. If you want to catch up on past episodes or subscribe, Book Bites is available on almost every podcast streaming service that's out there. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. If you want to reach out to us to talk about one of the books we've read or make suggestions or anything like that, we're available on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LB City Library. We appreciate you continuing to listen to episodes of Book Bites, and until next time, take care. <laughs>